let's talk about sex. So Gina, as you know, because I spoke to you while I've on while we were on our vacation, yeah. you know, my family and I just got back from the Pacific Northwest. God's country. And it is beautiful. That was the first time we've ever been up there. And <laughs> kids loved it. My wife loved it. I loved it. It was so much fun. But I uh, hastily made a decision that kind of took us to that area that I would help return a, a rental car that my brother-in-law took halfway, and then I brought it the rest of the way, which meant I drove from Seattle home, basically, to okay. Dallas. And that's a long, long way. And there were lots of times during that drive, especially the beginning of it, that I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? You know, what am I doing? Can I just pull, pull the car over and set it on fire and call budget and say, I don't know what happened. <laughs> you know, I mean, Man. I'm going through all these different scenarios. And then I hit Utah and the Great Salt Lake and yeah. Moab and Arches National Park and all that stuff that's just right there and it was beautiful. It is beautiful. And I've that made me start thinking of marriages and how that's kind of a course of marriage life, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Sometimes where you hit these point and these moments of like what am I doing? Can I just yeah. set this thing on fire and walk away? <laughs> and then you kind of break through that and realize, wow, there's a lot of really, be- really beautiful things out here that we can experience and be a part of and and enjoy and absolutely and so i'm looking back on that whole thing because i you know it's 48 hours of travel time for me 32 of it was driving was actually Mm -hmm. behind the wheel i'm not ever gonna do that again i couldn't believe you were gonna (laughs) do it but i'm pretty impressed you survived i'm never i i can see driving that way again you know but i'm gonna take like a month if i do that ever again and i'm gonna take my family with me well, growing up in Washington State, I thought Texas was the end of the earth, so I could never have fathomed driving all that I way. I think I saw the end of the <laughs> earth welcome, a couple of times. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. And welcome this, to Sexy Marriage Radio. Exactly. This is Dr. Corey Allen and Gina Paris, and we are glad you're joining us. This isn't travel talk radio. This is Sexy Marriage Radio, where we're having conversations about married life and sex and love and romance and the problems that happen in married life and sex and love and romance. And you can find Absolutely. us at radio.com. We'd love to hear from you. So send us an email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. Or you can call us at 615-5666. So one of the general themes, I guess, that comes up in the emails we get is this concept of high desire, low desire. And especially with sexual desire, let's just keep it specific because you and I have already had conversations a lot on this show about there's a high desire to low desire in everything, in every topic, in every issue. It's unlikely you're going to have, you know, the same desire, equal desire on something. Someone's going to want something more, which then Mm -hmm. makes you the high desire. Right. So speci- one wants to save, one wants to spend. Right. One, yeah. One wants, to, one wants to go see family, the other doesn't. One wants you know, more kids, the other doesn't. One wants to buy name brand, the other doesn't. You know, whatever it is. So every issue. But specifically, let's talk about when it comes to sexual desire. Mm-hmm. So typically, high desire is male, low desire is female. Let's go completely stereotypical. Mm-hmm. 
What about when those are reversed? High desire is female, low desire is male. Which is not nearly as rare as that high desire female is led to believe. Mm -hmm. It is common. It is, it is a very common thing, actually. Yeah, probably 30 or 40% of the time, is mm -hmm. the more I hear. But should it be? No. Okay. Why do you say that? Because I think that when we're operating and how we're wired and how we are designed with men naturally having higher testosterone and being created uh, to with his muscle mass and the way that he is designed to lead, I think that in the general scheme of things, a woman wants to be pursued by her man. I completely agree. I think mm -hmm. that that's what really melts a woman at the core mm -hmm. is the idea of being pursued. And I think when it's off and she has to all of a sudden be the primary pursuer, then there's something major going on. It's not just a, oh, it's okay. No, there's an issue. It, it is an issue. And, you know, this subject is very painful. We feel the pain in the emails from both genders, from, from the spouse that feels rejected, whether it's the male or the female. To me, or what I see be a, significant difference is the men seem able or resilient enough to keep pursuing in light of rejection they'll at least a little bit make some effort or make some overture or right. or try to get what they want whereas a woman their sex life then can become so non-existent because she's she's not naturally designed to want to go pursue especially in the face of such Huge rejection. And, yeah, and she's not naturally designed to handle and brush off rejection as easily. Because women are so much... Delicate's the word that comes to mind, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I, you know, they're, they're more tender-hearted. They're more well, nurturing. They're more caring. And that's, oh, that opens itself up to more abuse of that, in a sense. Of it, it, it cuts deeper. Because it's the very identity. Mm -hmm. If a man's identity is wrapped up in what he does and a woman's identity is wrapped up in her relationships, absolutely. That's where that tenderness is that, that you're talking about. It's a whole self-identity thing. Right. So to be, and I understand that from the men to have their masculinity rejected, that has a, a huge pain as well, identity-wise. But I think when we're not looking at the whole identity piece we're overlooking how huge it is of an issue. Yeah, because I think on a, on a slightly different topic that's still the same theme, um, my wife and I have had this conversation a lot because she's the major breadwinner in my family and has the primary job in the sense of the full-time, out-of-the-home working. And she's climbed the ladder, the corporate ladder. And she's had a lot of struggle as she's climbed it because it's – there's lots of different stressors and things that come on her that she's like, I'm not wired to handle this well. I take it home way too easy. And I think a man can just let that slide so much more easy than a woman. And a, I, this is general statement, yes, but I think there's some truth to it. That she's like, because I asked her one time, I was like, do you want to try to be a CFO of a company? You know, because that's going to have an impact on me and on our family because that's going to change 
her her path a little bit right. yeah and her yeah and her focus and and what, what's required of her and she's like no I don't think I'm wired to do that and I and she's like and I'm surprised there are some women that can do that because it's just difficult to do that it is very difficult with the time demands and we've talked about that as well just in Paul's company he's you know mm -hmm. he'll say our our COO and CFO traveled 200 and 40 days a year. Yeah. I don't, how can you have a family and do that? Well, but it's not it's even just a, the time demands. It's emotional demands. Right. Emotional. It's, and I think a lot of that goes everything. back to, I think if you heard my call, I don't know if you were on my call the other day when I talked about the oxytocin levels yes. in male and female, that men have usually in the course of the day as much as one-tenth of the bonding hormone flowing through their body that women do. So when we're saying that we are so driven by relationship, it's literally neurological and chemical that all that bonding hormone, it's just flowing in us mm -hmm. all the time. And the only time of day when a man comes close to those same bonding levels are during orgasm and sex. Mm -hmm. So if he's never taking that place and never connecting sexually, you can see where there's that huge rift in, in bonding. Yeah, because he's got nothing that's driving him to connect. Exactly. So he's not driven to connect, and she absolutely feels it. And then she feels what's the worst place in a marriage, and that is lonely. Right. And then you get into the issue of if she's the high desire, and the scenario is set up that she doesn't have a career outside of the home, she's been the primary for the children. She's been totally dependent on him for her financial security and safety. She is stuck because the idea of, well, I'm just not going to take it anymore. You know, if you're not going to be willing to have sex with me, I'll go out and leave and find somebody that is. That's not a, that's usually not a viable option. So she yeah. is dramatically stuck. Yeah. So, Obviously, she needs to make some moves, I think, in the sense of, look, I'm, I'm no longer going to take responsibility for sex happening in our life or in our marriage or something. I, I don't, I'm just kind of spitballing with this. I don't know exactly what the best way to go because each scenario is going to be different. But she needs to make some sort of a move in that if she doesn't want to be the primary high desire anymore, then... You got to put it all on the table. Well, I think some kind of message needs to be laid out to the men here, though. They, this habit or natural response of just shutting down and not communicating about it has got to go. It's, that is just not acceptable. And whatever emotion comes up, we've always said that intimacy is never comfortable it's not creating something really beautiful together it's not the same as just doing what takes no effort in the path of least resistance right so so i would just implore the husbands in this scenario to take a different approach than seeing yourself as something wrong with you and understand that she's saying this is an issue that affects us as a couple and seek help yeah but I'm going to come at the husbands as, yes, there is something wrong with you. And deal with that. I mean, make sure there's nothing wrong. Because the assumption is, if you're the low-desire partner, there is something wrong. That's the assumption I'm going to go with. Because 
maybe testosterone levels are just way off. Maybe you have such a sedentary lifestyle, you have totally screwed up the wiring in your brain. Maybe some of your childhood and adolescent choices and then on into adulthood choices with pornography and some of the other things have totally skewed your perception of things to where everything is kind of wired wrong now. If you, So mm-hmm. there's some things you've got to address. There's some things you've got to man up and, and say and be honest with and say, look, this is something I want to get right in my own life. Not necessarily just for my wife. This is more important for me to be who I am designed to be, to be who I am, aspire to be. Right. So that way, and, if you if you are a man that aspires to have no sex in his life, own that. Even to that, even if it's that extreme, say you know, because your wife, she needs to know where you're coming from. Yeah, that's hard. So she can. I'm feeling for the wife. It's it, like, well, all right then. Well, if that's but if that's true, why are you playing games? You're you're doing nobody any service. You're 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 living totally out of integrity with yourself which is one of your phrases, which is a great line, mm-hmm. that, you know, hey, that's not what you guys signed on for. I can almost guarantee when you got into this marriage, when you guys were dating and out uh, and talking about what, what life could be like and everything, I'm going to be willing to bet you didn't lean over to her and say, yeah, I can't wait to live with you and never have sex with you. Yeah, it wasn't part of the natural design. No, no. I mean, that's not what people... I mean, if you get into it, and that's kind of the idea that you you know full well, that's what you're signing on for, different ballgame. That's not what marriages are signed on for, though. Sex is a part of what separates marriage, married life from all the other relationships. So, Hopefully so. Yeah, so it's one of those, all right, if you don't want to have sex, tell, say so. And own it and then live with the choice of that, which probably means at some point your spouse is leaving if they want to have sex in their life or you're coming up with some other way. So the point is that we're not necessarily here to make everyone feel good. (laughs) Mm -mm. Not with this one because there's some, I mean, we dance around this so much, it seems, and our society has become so politically correct that we can't just start talking truth and there's variables with truth i understand that but we can't just start saying look if this is what's going on in your marriage and you're the husband and your wife is the one that's primary responsible for sex dude you need to own up with what's going on in your own life you know is what's what's up is it because you're so distracted and you're so put off by something else you finally just have resigned yourself to all right if sex is going to happen it's up to her well, you're basically setting yourself up to fail because you're asking a creature that's not wired to be the one pursuing that primarily. Yeah, and then to honor your leadership. Right. So especially I want to speak to the Christian guys that tune in here because uh, that seems to be a large percentage of our audience. And a, a lot of these husbands that are in this role where they've been the breadwinner and their values also espouse so much a family that their wife has been stay at home and raise the children. That's a guy who tends to pride himself on being a leader mm-hmm. and not taking leadership on this most intimate aspect means your leadership sucks. Mm-hmm. So You're falling down on the job. <laughs> literally. So 
yeah, I you know the women are cheering for us. Yes, I wish my husband would listen to you. All we can say is we believe that if there is a desire for something in your marriage, that means the potential for the answer already exists. Mm-hmm. You can't create this learned helplessness. Have you ever heard that experiment about the dogs that were put in these little cages and kind of shocked when they tried to get out? This was a college experiment. And so the dogs quit trying to get out through the little gate because when they'd get out, they would get shocked, Mm -hmm. which sounds terribly cruel. But the point is that then when the gate was open and there was no danger whatsoever, they had just learned to be helpless. And any time that any of us face this, oh, what's the use? You have embraced a learned helplessness. You weren't created to be helpless. Right, and that's, that's a great thought on the way we are designed as people right. is to not necessarily live by what is the, the routine parameters that are placed on us. That, oh, well, this is what, we don't have to resign ourselves to life. We don't have to resign ourselves to relationships and whatever the status quo is. That's exactly right. The limits are only in our own mind. Mm-hmm. Same or thing. they're self-imposed somehow. Yeah, when you were talking about the... I hadn't heard of the dog experiment. The one one of the stories I've heard of that's that's just great on, on this point is years ago when there were several really bad tornadoes in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you know in Arkansas chicken farming is pretty big, and chicken farms are just you know glorified big long rectangular huts where there's just thousands upon thousands of chickens in there fed, and so they they can just be killed for food. Mm-hmm. Well, a tornado. One of the farmers had all these different chicken farms, you know, these huts. And a couple of them were way off in his field, in, on his land, not near his house. And the tornado came through, and it took a couple of days before he was able to get back to those huts, those houses. And when he got there, he came and found that three of them had just been totally destroyed. And so he had thousands of chickens dead. Four chickens were still alive, though, because they left the barrier of the the wall that was no longer there. They actually went outside of it and found their natural food source in the ground and the fields that they were around. But it's one of those right there was freedom and they could have all survived. But they nope, we're, we stay right here because we push that. That little lever will bring me food. Right. Well, that's the same thing we do with marriage. Yeah. Well, I stay right here. And I'm not saying you leave your marriage to go find something else. That's not <laughs> all the analogy. The analogy is, okay, the way we have done life doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And, it's, and the way I change that is I start owning my own stuff and I do what I want to do that's, that's important to me. That's what, that's what starts to drive me. And that will then change your marriage. Well, before you can even do what you want to do, you have to be who you want to be. So trying to be the victim is never going to work. And trying to avoid the victim or avoid the problem is never going to work. So the best approach might be to look with whole new eyes, like you talked about um, driving and, and opening your eyes to a new landscape. Sometimes it's not about having a new landscape. Sometimes it's about looking with new eyes. Mm-hmm. At a fresh approach and the fresh view of what you have in front of you. Mm-hmm. We don't completely know our spouse. To act like, oh, I know what she's going to do. I know what he's going to do. I know how he thinks. I know everything about him. No, you don't. No wonder you're bored. You're making these assumptions about each other. 
So step out of your story and write a new script. Right. Because if nothing else, if, if you're the high desire partner and you're the woman and you're married to a man who, and, and I'm going to take this in the, in the idea that he has been the high desire, but at some point over the course of the marriage, it's evolved to where his interest has waned. Okay. I'm going to take it as this isn't the entire relationship. If you're the high desire woman and you all of a sudden just let him own the problem of if sex is going to happen in his life, he's going to have to deal with it. Then he can, when you own that, when you say, hey, I'm tired of being the leader when it comes to sex in our life. I want to be pursued. I want to be valued. I want to be seduced. I want you to step up and then give him room to feel the weight of that. See what happens. Because there's still little things that you can do by the way you live your own life that he will most likely start to see you being more self-sufficient and highly functioning, not dependent on him. Because one of the things when it comes to high desire, low desire, is because of the nature of marriage and that sex is the only outlet for, I mean, marriage is the outlet for sex that when you all of a sudden start acting as if your spouse is replaceable sexually not that you're looking to replace them it changes the dynamic it's all, all of a sudden you start realizing you know if i started seeing pam being a whole lot more self-sufficient which she already <laughs> pretty, pretty well is <laughs> but so that analogy doesn't completely work but if, if all of a sudden she starts, I'm, I'm noticing her kind of shifting her focus. You know, she's, she's a lot more on her own. I don't really need someone. I'm going to notice that and most likely start to, what's going on? You know, it'll pique my interest as opposed to, well, this is just what is, you know, it's just life and maybe something will change. Maybe it won't. Because most of us know without concerted effort, things don't change. Well, that what you're describing is the antithesis to what is natural or what our flesh might want to do, which is lay an ultimatum out there. And then in our anger, we're watching to see when the heck you finally make your stupid move. Right. And that's not attractive. Right. <laughs> so then you just get angrier and angrier. Like, gosh, see, if I don't do anything, it's going to be weeks and weeks. Well, of course, you're just vibrating this leave me alone pheromone. <laughs> so again, the more you can do that, embrace life, be who you want to be, be irresistible, and live it well, and, and expect something. At, yeah, at some point, though, an ultimatum is a, a true statement. It is a true statement. I mean, it is it is a viable option because it is one of those. You, I mean, the idea of me saying to my wife, "Hey, I am not going to tolerate or live in a sexless marriage." That's an ultimatum. That's really what it is. But I'm not doing it to manipulate her into. I want to have sex anytime I want to have it. What do you say to the wife then, who says, "Well, I've tried this, and my husband just tells me and tells our kids, oh, your mom's having one of her tantrums again.'" Well, then it's probably the manner in which she's saying it and how she's conducting herself. She hasn't changed the system enough by truly 
owning her part of the problem and letting the system have the pressure on her spouse and his part of the problem. Because it's a different move. Here, the, the example that comes to my mind is we've had a, a policy, I don't know if I've mentioned this on this show, of that since our children have been born, so seven and a half years now, in the evenings, we don't turn on the TV. When they get home from school, you know, they watch a little bit of cartoons, but then when Pam gets home and we do dinner and we, the evenings are family time. We don't turn on the TV. We would turn on the TV after the kids go to bed if there's something on we wanted to watch or some sporting event or on the weekend. Well, what it evolved to over the weekends is it was on all the time because there's always sports on on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And so we love watching sports, especially I do. So it would always be on. And I would, about every month and a half, Pam would have this whole, the TV's on too much rant. Mm -hmm. And I always knew, okay, there she goes. You know, <laughs> I can just weather the storm, keep it. And this is honest. <laughs> I can just keep right. it, keep it. She'll get out of this mood in a little while and we'll just, nothing's going to change. And she would do this. It was a cycle about a month and a half. Every two months I'd get this. <laughs> little thing and you usually come on a Sunday afternoon Sunday evening after hours of the TV being on all weekend and so finally through the our conversations of differentiation and growing up and everything she came just she came to me one Sunday afternoon and said you know what I'm sick of being in front of the TV on the weekends so from here forward I'm gonna start going and doing some things you're welcome to join me I'm going to take the kids sometimes I'm not. And the times I don't, they're your responsibility. But I'm not mm -hmm. going to be in front of the TV anymore on the weekends. And as soon there as she go. said it that way, I knew, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to really own up to, okay, if I want to sit in front of the TV all weekend, that may mean I'm doing it alone. Do I really want that? Do I want to watch my kids all weekend long? You know, and, and all that kind of all those kinds okay. of things then now become my problem, which is truly what was my problem. So it's that idea of when you come at it from, look, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take my part of my of this issue. And I don't know how long I'm going to be willing to live with the status quo of what this issue is. I don't know how long I'm going to live with if I, I have to be the one that always pursues sex. So I'm just letting you know. And then you start living that way. And, and resist the urge to constantly bring it up, constantly deal with it. Oh, hey, remember, we're going to be doing, you know, hey, remember, sex is a responsibility. Hey, remember, right. all that kind of stuff that we subtly do. Then you start to see what happens. And it's a okay. huge unknown. It is. It's it, it's meant to be uncomfortable. That yeah. means something has the opportunity to grow. Yep. So there you go. That's a good job. Because that's the idea that, Systems are co-created and systems right. are changed through co-creation. But to do so means you take, you take responsibility for you and your problem and your side of the issue. You put a tremendous amount of pressure on them to have to deal with theirs. Because if he's the low desire partner and there's something going on, and it could be as simple as one time years ago, he had trouble ejaculating. And so it was a performance issue. And now every time that whole subject is brought up, he has these inadequacy feelings because men, we tie a lot to our ability to perform. Sure. So if I have trouble of performing, 
it would be kind of logical if I, if my masculinity is really tied to it, maybe I want to just avoid that for a little bit. So therefore I'll just kind of lose interest in it and I can just turn to pornography then I can just masturbate, whatever. Cause then it's, <laughs> there's no pressure. No one else is really right. challenging me. Well, all that kind of stuff comes to play. And maybe that's what has shifted the high desire, low desire in your relationship. Maybe it's something like that. And he needs to own that and be vulnerable with it with you and say, look, this is what's going on. Because typically a woman, when they know more of of their husband, it just draws them closer to, okay, let's make this, let's figure out a way to work through this. Let's talk to me. Mm -hmm. Tell me what's going on. You know, I'll slow down. We can go longer. We can try this. We could do this. I mean, she could be and probably is the most adventurous partner you've ever had. Just waiting. But it just hasn't been tapped into yet. Yeah. If there's a desire in the relationship, that means the solution is out there somewhere. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you got to take a huge step to find it. Absolutely. Don't you, stop till you find which, it. Which means you step into a huge unknown. Absolutely. And that's what scares a lot of people. Because <laughs> because the unknown, I mean, I understand that. That's that unknown of, oh, I'm about to launch on this big adventure. I don't know what's going to happen. I know. So people will stay miserable rather than risk the unknown. But not you, fearless leader. If you've listened this long, <laughs> exactly. that means... You are ready for a whole new adventure, and we believe in you. Yep. This is Sexy Marriage Radio. We're glad you joined us. That's right. Come see us at sexymarriageradio.com and send us your feedback and let us know on iTunes. Yes, please do. We'll see you next time. Absolutely. Bye-bye.